You are listening to the Anna Zabo Show. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving your rating and review on iTunes. You are special. You are gifted. You are wonderful. You are valuable. You are powerful. You are confident. You are courageous. You are able. You are worthy. You are loved. You are accepted. You are strong. You are blessed. Isn't it encouraging to hear those words about yourself? Yet, how often do you feel unworthy, unloved, and unwanted, thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I don't deserve any better? Certainly, I know how it feels. I know what it feels like to feel useless, worthless, unneeded, unwanted, rejected, betrayed, deceived, and depressed. I was so tired of feeling this way when I wrote a poem that revealed to me my own suicidal thoughts. Yes, it's a true miracle that you are listening to this podcast because I was contemplating to be or not to be. My life seemed to be of no value. Want to hear that poem? It's called The Purpose of My Life. Are you ready? Suicide.org was once created. Why would we ever need such a website? Because just in 2016, it stated 43,000 Americans by suicide died. 90% of them had a psychiatric disorder. But what about the other 10%? Was their life so out of order? Or was the decision as a temporary solution to problems meant? Did they consider that suicide is a permanent resolution? Did they think about the other side of things? Or was their pain intolerable and they needed a quick solution? The issue is that suicide no relief brings. No relief for sure to the person doing it. Because they're dead, meaning there is nothing to relieve. But worst of all, those pursuing it don't consider people who in them believe. An American dies by suicide every 12.3 minutes. 1.1 million Americans annually suicide attempt. Has each of them simply reached their limits? Or was it just the famous first world discontent? (sighs) I'm an American who experiences suicidal thoughts daily. Wondering why and what's the purpose of my life? Why am I here and why am I so insanely contemplating to no longer being alive? My life has been such a struggle and a very painful journey. I'm really tired and I have almost no enthusiasm. It's been like a game, like an aimless journey where all I get is rejection, manipulation, abuse and sarcasm. I'm so hurt. But most importantly, I'm so hopeless. I don't see a reason to be around here at all. There is no passion in my life. There is no closeness. And every day I struggle to out of bed crawl. No one ever loved me and no one loves me. No one cares if I am alive or dead. 
If I am no more tomorrow, they won't even notice. Everyone will move on with their own lives instead. I think it's the issue of mattering and making a difference, none of which is applicable to me. That's what's causing my lack of enthusiasm and complete indifference. That's why every day I'm contemplating to be or not to be. But then I think about it over and over and decide that maybe the purpose of living is life itself. And then I give my brain with biblical affirmations a makeover and pull out of this vicious thought cycle myself. I focus on the fact that God himself made me. He created me for whatever reason to be. He didn't make a mistake, nor did he ever betray me. He sent Jesus to die, so I am set free. Free from depression, anxiety, and self-doubt. Free from gossip, rejection, and abandonment. So when suicidal thoughts my mind cloud, I focus on God's eternal commandment. To not fear, to not worry, and to not doubt. To lean not on what I can and cannot understand. To trust His direction, even if I, if I don't find out the purpose of my one life and how He everything planned. Suicide is the number 10 leading cause of death in America. What am I going to do about it? While I don't have any issues medical, I do need to help myself with a spiritual shift. I love God so much, but do I actually trust Him? This I'm asking daily, even though He never failed. There were times I was angry at God and even cussed Him, and I just wished that my purpose and future He'd unveiled. So, is it actually uncertainty that drives me to suicide? Am I simply scared of living not knowing what's ahead? What if to stick around and see for myself I decide? Is it not a better solution than being dead? By the way, I'm talking to myself. I know it. Am I crazy? Am I normal? Who decides? This poem is my thought download. I own it. It clarity and understanding of myself provides. I'm scared of my own thoughts often. But so are others. They just talk, don't talk about this. Through openness and vulnerability, I know my heart will soften. And from this burden of these thoughts, Christ will allow my release. Hi, I'm Anna Zabo, and you're listening to the Anna Zabo Show, where we talk about God, gospel, and the matters of life. This show is for you only if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you personally and that the Bible is God-breathed word. This is episode number one called, What Does God Say About You? Have you ever asked yourself, what does God say about me? What God says about you is this, you are a princess, a daughter of the king, loved and accepted, sanctified and redeemed, and so am I. When I said during my baptism on October 19th of 2014 at Buckhead Church here in Atlanta, in front of a few thousand people, I am a princess, 
many people came to talk to me about it. Hold on, let me drink some water. You can see that this podcast is recorded live literally right now. I'm sitting in my closet on the floor with a bunch of pillows. This is the first time in my life I'm doing something like this. And I'm not sure what you're going to think about it, but I hope this is of value to you. The woman just like me who is suffering from self-destructing thoughts. Okay, so the next time I said that I was a princess, women in my church group laughed. But then I asked them, do you believe that God is the sovereign king? He says he is. Yes, they said. I asked, do you believe that God created you, that he is your heavenly father? They said, yes. Okay, princess. <laughs> so there are 52 great things you can tell yourself in a form of a biblical affirmation because they each represent exactly what God says about you. How do I know? I searched the answer to the same question while struggling with severe depression and suicidal thoughts during my divorce with the husband who abandoned me after four months of marriage. Why don't I just share the whole story with you? I was abused as a child growing up in a family of alcoholics where adultery was pretty much a norm at home. I was a sex addict until I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior in 2014 and became celibate. It started when I took on a one-year no-dating challenge from Pastor Andy Stanley at North Point Ministries after watching his sermon called The New Rules for Love, Sex and Dating. By the way, if you haven't figured out from my accent yet, I grew up in Russia, very sexualized culture. So I completed the challenge, one year of no dating, and I was open about my experiences of celibacy, posting about the journey on social media, keeping a blog, and producing other types of very popular content. I even produced a video course on the topic. If you are curious to see it, you can simply go to udemy.com slash course. I trusted that God had an amazing life of purpose for me. I was on a quest to glorify Him. After I had finished my no dating challenge, I met Michael. On our first date, we talked for three and a half hours about the gospel and its applicability in our lives. He was a graduate of Metro Atlanta Seminary and worked at North Point Church. Remember the Andy Stanley sermon I talked about earlier? that one. He pursued me with thought and intention. His desire to marry me was communicated clearly and early on. I kind of felt that things were moving a bit too fast. Of course, I shared with Michael, and so he decided to sign us up for pre-engagement counseling at Perimeter Church here in Atlanta. I followed Michael's lead in preparation for our future together, and here's one thing I didn't realize at the time. I had shared my most intimate thoughts and perspective on dating and man with all the viewers of my YouTube videos, one of which even had 25,000 views. 
in just a few months. By the time I had met Michael, my YouTube channel already had 43,000 views. Anyone could simply watch those videos and figure out who they needed to be if they really wanted to target me. The real problem is that I had never thought about that until after I was already married. Of course, I could never imagine this kind of outcome. All I wanted to do was to share what I was learning following Jesus on my journey of celibacy. Well, Michael and I both worked out while dating every day. Um, I worked out every day and he worked out every day and I saw no issue with this. He shared with me his dream of becoming an Iron Man. I believed in Michael and I believed in his ability. He was pursuing both Iron Man and me and we spent quality time together still almost every day. He was certainly a Christian man of honor while dating me. Actually, it was the best relationship I ever had. I did believe at the time that it was genuine. Our pre-engagement counseling turned into premarital counseling. After on January 31st, 2016, Michael proposed to me. <laughs> when he knelt before me and asked the question, I told him that because he had exhibited Christ-like character qualities and showed the fruit of the Spirit in his life throughout our entire relationship, I was honored to say yes. During our counseling, we discussed our life together in detail. We talked about serving God with our future marriage. And Michael was a very thoughtful leader. I had no concerns about Michael's attention to our future marriage. He was already training for Iron Man as we were dating and we were spending quality time really mostly daily. We lived 45 minutes away from each other at the time while dating. So I only expected that being married would allow us to spend more time together living in one place. And Michael actually confirmed that many times repeatedly, not just to me, but also to our premarital counseling mentors at church. We actually did counseling at Perimeter Church called um, the right start, one-on-one um, -on -one with that couple who actually became very good friends of mine. I love them. And we also did group counseling with 10 other couples. Very interestingly, one of the women now leads my woman's small group. <laughs> anyway, I walked down the aisle honestly with not even having cold feet. It was May 14th, 2016. We did not have a honeymoon. Seven days after our wedding, we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where Michael did his half Ironman, and he called it our tri-moon from the word triathlete. I was okay with it. Michael's dream was really worth the sacrifice for me. After that, Michael was mostly gone. I was left alone in an 1800 square feet two-story house with two back injuries with boxes everywhere in a country-style neighborhood where I moved from the city. My commute to work was five hours. 
yes, I went from commuting 15 minutes to two and a half hours each way. And I didn't know any people in that community. I was rejected and betrayed every day. Michael even refused to have sex with me, stating that he needed to save himself for Iron Man. Just pause for a second. Just imagine if this was you. What would be your feelings? Devastation. Michael told, called his bicycle my other wife I cheat on you with in my face. His friend reached out to me on Facebook and told me in her message that from that point on, I was called an iron widow because my husband was actually as absent from our marriage as a dead man. I was devastated, disoriented, and confused. I cried every morning on my way to work. Most nights I cried myself to sleep, praying on my knees on the floor. Four months after our wedding, a process server served me with divorce summons at the Christian Conference Harvest on September 25, 2016. That day, Michael himself did his last Ironman for the season in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was so depressed. I had so many questions to God. I saw my biblical counselor every Wednesday to study who I was in Christ and how I could glorify God in the midst of my depression, devastation, and divorces. To help me endure mental cruelty that I faced at home every day, I actually saw a trauma counselor. I was battling suicidal thoughts every day. I felt stupid for having been so deceived. I felt incompetent and doubtful having made such a mistake. And I questioned my own discernment. I didn't trust myself. But most importantly, I felt worthless having been traded in for a bicycle. I felt ugly. I just felt ugly and stupid and worthless. In November of 2016, Michael asked me to reconcile. I'm sure you're wondering what I said, but you know, the Bible says that if unbeliever wants to live with you, live with them. Their salvation depends on you. And if they want to go, let them go. So I said yes to reconciliation. He wanted to live with me. In January of 2017, just a few weeks later, Michael served me with the second divorce summons. Because of the size of the deception I experienced and its repetitiveness, at that point I felt naive and laughable. Can you relate? Have you ever been in a situation when someone manipulated you very eloquently, but you felt it was all your fault? A day before our divorce mediation on March 6, 2017, God gave me an unexpected gift. I woke up feeling a holy dwelling on the inside. And that's how my first devotional poem was born. I started just writing devotionals, biblical poetry, declarations of God's goodness, prayers, because, you know, it's easy to say God is good when your life is full of rainbows, unicorns, and pink glitter is everywhere. 
But when things like this happen to people and they're devastated, they tend to blame God. But God has never turned his back on me. He was always there. Four days later, I had already written six poems. I was surprised with this new ability and also grateful. I had never been a poet ever before. Continuing to study what God said about me in the Bible, I've learned that I am a princess, a daughter of the king, who is loved, accepted, sanctified, and redeemed. I've learned from specific scriptures that I am worthy, creative, wise, powerful in Christ, talented, and accepted through Christ. And because of this peace that God gave me, I wanted to share the truth with other women, women just like me and like you, to set women free from the judgments of others, those external judgments, but most importantly, from our own internal judgments. Remember those judgments I made against myself in the poem that I shared with you earlier? Below is a list of 52 amazing, freeing, liberating, I am statements that I want you to memorize to help you bottle that negative self-talk next time it attacks you. Are you ready? Here they are. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I am loved. I am healed. I am blessed. I am special and chosen. I am justified and sanctified. I am alive. I am new and transformed. I am noble and lovely. I am beautiful. I am holy. I am worthy. I am righteous. I am valuable. I am anointed. I am free. I am renewed. I am not alone. I am a princess. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a disciple of Jesus. I am a child of God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's glory on display. I am God's masterpiece. I am a difference maker. I am light. I am a peacemaker. I am wise. I am clear and focused. I am intentional. I am decisive. I am powerful. I am disciplined. I am thoughtful. I am prudent. I am confident. I am courageous. I am victorious. I am kind. I am loving. I am hopeful. I am joyful. I am grateful. I am strong. I am protected. I am peaceful. I am patient. I am faith-filled. I am gifted. I am creative. After I had struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts for so long, I literally memorized these affirmations and started repeating them to myself when feeling down. Of course, I still struggle sometimes. It will never be perfect, but these affirmations do remind us of who we are in Christ. For example, just even with this podcast, it was tough for me to start it. 
I was catching myself thinking that you will not be interested in what I have to say, that you won't care, that you won't listen to it, that my message is not really of any value to you. So you can see <laughs> that I didn't listen to that negative self-talk. And instead, I told myself who I am in Christ using those 52 affirmations, those biblical truths about me and you. I believe that my message matters to you. If you would like to share your feedback on this first episode of the Enosable show, please leave re your review on iTunes. You know, your voice actually matters to me, but iTunes determines whether or not to recommend a specific podcast to women based on reviews. So your review can help other women discover this message if it was of value to you. So please post your review today. Oh, and do you want to know what happened with all those divorces? <laughs> I'm sure you do. Michael and I were divorced on August 30th, 2017, after four days of divorce jury trial in Forsyth County, Georgia. I did not know about it since I only got the final papers from my attorney 18 days later. So if you ever look at my Facebook pictures, you will see that I still wore my ring um, as a, a sign of commitment to my marriage and to God who was the entire time with me in this marriage. And so I never took it off until September 18th. God's grace was sufficient for me through this entire journey. Jesus has become my main focus in my daily life, in my thought life, and in how I determine my priorities for the future. After all this devastation and adversity, I decided to follow God's calling and dedicate my time to helping you, helping women just like us, me and you, to realize what I had realized during my divorce, it's not important what people think about you. The only important thing is what God thinks about you. And here is that first poem God gave me. Remember on March 6, 2017? When I wrote it, I cried. It's called, I am your princess. My heart is broken. My soul is aching. But I have hope because you're still reigning. Your mercy gifts forgiveness. Your grace gifts blessings. We don't deserve your goodness. Our lives are always messy. But you don't rate performance. Our heart is one that matters. So when we fail all over, you raise us from the deadness. Your strength is sufficient. Your love is enough. I am your daughter. A perfect princess in a fallen world. Thanks for listening.